0: Okay, Tom Redfern in the house. How you doing mate, you right? I'm good Rusty, thank you for inviting me on to the uh, Magic Academy podcast.
1: That's cool and you are definitely best dressed man on the podcast. <laughs>
0: Don't feel any Bolognese on that top, alright? Yeah, I've got my football manager outfit on.
1: <laughs> nice, nice, cool and, and, and everything's good? Everything's good in the hood with you?
0: Yeah, very good. Uh, one more week to go and then we can enjoy our summer holidays and the uh, the relentless hours of coaching rugby can can stop for a couple of weeks and I'm sure it will come back round fast, but looking forward to a break and what's been a a very uh, up and down season for sure. Cool. So do you want to kind of
1: explain what's the the stuff you're doing? So the day job is you you, you work for RFU, but on top of that, you're doing a bit of work at uh, Woodford Rugby Club. Do you want to talk a bit about that?
0: Yeah. So coming into my third year, uh, as coach at Woodford, um, off the back of some stuff, the ball, which I'm sure we'll pick up on later on. Uh, a lot of stuff when I started was very much around getting the first team to be better, um, which actually I was probably shooting myself in the foot by that. the nature of London and people coming in and out of the city. Quite often the team was changing, so um, that role has now evolved to still coach, but actually we're looking at things a lot more holistically across the whole club, so supporting a lot of the other guys coming up and in both coaches and players just to try and uh, sustain some of the perceived success that we've had this year uh, and just trying to sustain that a little bit. So just working away from working alongside coaching that group of 30 to 50 blokes that we get on a Tuesday and Thursday to doing some other stuff around coach development and, and transition and all that sort of stuff to, so
1: what is the perceived success? What are, you, what are people thinking as being success? Uh, uh, I'm, I'm assuming you're thinking that it's the 30 to 50. However, other people are uh, thinking it's different.
0: Yeah, there's a real range. There's a real range of some of the maybe alakadoos in the club will go, oh, we've won more than we've lost, a lot more this year, fortunately. Uh, so that's their perceived success. For us, it's around performance connections with people so we did the classic one a couple of years ago what do you want outcomes to be this year and they said oh, i'll win more than we lose and and stuff and actually that was a completely wrong question to ask an amateur player um and for us it was just about experiences so our question this year is what do you want your experiences to be so things came was uh bus trips they want to have good training sessions uh they want people at training they want to have good friendships they want to have food uh actually, we want to play some decent rugby and win a couple of games as well. That would be nice. So actually, rugby came fifth or sixth on the list. So if we're two to doing what our players say, then our sessions have got to look like what they want. So they're a lot more dynamic, a lot more fun. There's a lot more uh, competition in there that's got some consequences, which creates a bit of laughter. And I think if our neighbours looked in and saw what they were doing as a consequence of some of this, the games that we do, I think they probably think we're, we're going mad. Um, What's, been What's been your best
1: What's been your favourite consequence so far this year?
0: Uh, they don't like dancing. That's not gone down very well. Um, I think my favourite one was an impression. Uh, we got a lad called uh, V. He's uh, a proper Essex boy, a big character. And I think I played the week before and missed touch. And his impression he picked up the ball, kicked it, missed touch. He said, That's how we do it. That's Tom Redfern. And everyone was on their backs laughing and I was absolutely embarrassed in front of the whole boys. But um, for me, that just said loads about the environment that he can call out the coach effectively in front of everyone and he doesn't feel threatened to do, do it. So um, as humiliating as it was at the time, it was pretty cool that guys can, can come up with that and, and feel like they can, can uh, embarrass their coach.
1: Yeah, that sounds cool. and, and why have we got thirty to fifty? So what I mean, oh, by the way, you you won the league as well.
0: We did, yeah. Yeah, roller coaster. Um and that's the perceived success coming in. Um, which is successful, you know. Uh, the boys have worked hard, but there's other things that we try to measure through experience that as you know, those things are hard to make tangible. Um, but the guys at train we get I don't know thirty to I think the max we had this year is fifty five. The lowest we've had is 28 all year, and that's even in the darkest months of December. Um, they've just been really fun. Um, the coaching environment, the coaching team are really uh, progressive in terms of their thinking. So sort of, We're constantly challenging each other, which reflects and bounces off onto the players. You know, They come and it's stimulating, it's fun. Uh, there's an element of competition, and if they want to play in a team that's winning more matches than they lose, they have to train, which obviously helps with that. Um, a lot of numbers due to the transition of the Colts, which has been really great, which has allowed us to get more Saturday games on, which I'm sure we'll come on to as well as we go through. Um, we've invited other people in, so it's not just the same voice. Um, so two new coaches joined this year and they've given a completely different outlook. You know, We're all different. We've all got a different opinion of the game. How do you find, um,
1: do you find coaches at that level? What's, the, what's, the, what's your secret tricks for that?
0: Uh, I think generally we're, we're sharing more than when I think I first started coaching. Um, but I think we're still some way off the, the sharing that goes on in age-grade rugby. You know, you turned up to a CPD, an under-11 CPD, there'd be potentially 30 guys there. And they're all sharing, 30 guys and girls. Whereas in a senior environment, we don't really get those sorts of opportunities to share. So I think that's something that outside of your own environment, we don't do very often. Um, And then within our team, um, they're great at challenging and asking some really thought provoking questions. Um, And I think staying true to their own principles and opinions is really powerful. And again, that's probably credit to the environment both they set and the players set, whereby people can stand up for themselves on what they think their opinions are and what their views of the game are. Um, I think it would be a pretty boring environment if all four of us thought exactly the same. Yeah.
1: that's cool and and so you made me think about a couple of things so one is well, yeah, well, one is a statement, one is that actually senior uh, first team coach engagement is pretty pretty slim, and I think that's a challenge for us all because actually the stuff that the younger lads are experiencing is is some some pretty cool stuff going on there. um you've also triggered me a bit on um I started writing a list of
0: young coaches like you, so how old are you? 24. Wow. There's a long paper <laughs> <laughs> I'll read. Um,
1: I, and I started writing some names down, so you, you'll know some of these guys. But these are guys are probably, you know, 20s ish. Uh, but Merlin Gaper O'Donnell just uh, had a promotion. His card's doing well. Jack Pat, who's obviously was working and now has gone to work at London Irish in zoo. Mr. Bolton, who's done a brilliant job at. Um, Maidenhead, so lots of those young coaches coming through. I mean, is there any others you've in your area as well? Any others you've
0: noticed? You spoke to me earlier about you've been getting some of those
1: coaches into your world as
0: well. Yeah, so um, kind of on that, we've realised, you know, it's our voice a lot of the time, which is great. Um, But if we're going to evolve, we need to be challenged outside of our environment. So the club pay for Amanda Bennett, Uh, to come down, so I didn't cue on this one earlier Uh, so she, I'm sure you know her background, she lives uh, conveniently uh, in Essex so she probably comes down uh, three to six times a year and just challenges us and just asks some questions, doesn't say what we're doing right and wrong but just gets us to really think Uh, so she carries out a mentoring role so you know, uh, hats off to the club for investing in kind of a non-award learning um, which I think Is really cool um, selfishly for us as coaches. So she's been terrific. And then we've had. What's
1: been the best piece of feedback she's given you?
0: Um, I think the head coach role is vast and it's not just coaching 40 guys. So I think the things that I've changed most about my coaching probably in the last 18 months is touching base with more guys away from the Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. Yeah because their lives massively impact what happens on a Saturday in terms of performance and how I can help them in their world when they go back to work. Uh, And then actually how we uh, support and challenge the committee guys to be on the same page as us is really, really important Um, because that message has got to spread across the whole club if we're trying to build a holistic approach to things. Uh, And that work, the secondary work has been really, really important to get Buying, you know, you came down to the club, for example. That, that probably wouldn't have happened three years ago. Yeah, but they see the bigger picture now because we've we've had those conversations. So Amanda's been great, and then we had Rhys uh, Riley, CRC, in Middlesex come over, and Rhys Davies, who coaches HAC. Uh, they didn't do any coaching with us. Um, they just came over and basically did a mentoring session with the four four coaches and just asked some questions. Uh, got us to think. Hopefully, they learned something as well. Uh, but they just, they, they just challenged us and got us thinking, and it supported some of the stuff we were doing and actually made us tweak some stuff as well, which was great. Um, and again, just trying to get some adult senior coaches, male or female, into the, into the environment to just ask questions. And I think the more we can do that, you know, that's only going to support the sharing of more stuff in the adult game, which we potentially don't see as much as the age grade you spoke about
1: um, was it Amanda Amanda Bennett
0: yeah Amanda Bennett yeah
1: um, just her, her kind of uh, noticing that the head coach job is, is just wider than coaching the first team I mean so so what does that look like for you so you are head coach of the first team uh, where do you see um, responsibility around cults around minis and juniors um, how does that how does that fit into to <coughs>
0: Yeah, I think with the nature of London as well, and I think some of you know those those guys you mentioned earlier will sympathise with this. Is the team is forever changing based on kind of the demographic of London. You know, people are coming in and out all of the time. Um, but what you can be sure of is that your junior team will always come back in theory because their family lives there. Uh, to an ex- you know, a large percentage will come back unless uh, we don't do anything with them. So a lot of my work now is uh, supporting the coaches in the junior age groups. Um, off the back of your session with them on just some of the stuff they're doing um, around their coaching so one of the things I got from them when I first joined was we want to play like the first team what's the first team playbook you know what how do they play how do they coach what do they do Uh, kind of live and breathe by what the senior squads do but that's unrealistic because our team plays like that because that's what their makeup is um, but Have actually, the end. What
1: was your first team playing? What would what would I say if I came to watch you play?
0: Uh, we're open. Uh, well, it depends if you can watch the last two games, Rusty, or the, the games before. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we're open. Uh, a lot of work is done around our contact skills, so we aim for three-second rucks. So, moving the ball off the floor, keeping it off the floor, both when we've been tackled and during the tackle. Uh, we're brave. And then defensively, we just look at the different ways in which we can get the ball back. So, some strips in the tackle, uh, interceptions, you know, that sort of stuff. We're, we're kind some
1: of. tries this year. Say again? We scored some interception tries this year. I think
0: we're on to four. One of them was I got myself a meat pie, which I was pleased with. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but I think we're up to four. But yeah, just. Basically, just coaching the principles, which we have I know the podcast has talked about before, so that it's just really open, so that a game plan doesn't exist. You know, it's a game of chess, it's forever changing. We're just trying to manipulate and give uh, ourselves the best pictures that we can. Uh, so, a lot of stuff is done around awareness, um, getting the guys to do more off the ball. Um, and so, the challenge for us as coaches is when we're coaching, you know, we've got ourselves hamstrung ourselves. As, when we're coaching, all we do is watch the ball as coaches. So if um, we're asking our players to be better off the ball, why are we always watching it as coaches? Um, so that's been something that we've, we've done. So You should
1: have a certain number of lives. You should have three lives. And once you've looked at the ball three times, you, um, you, you're out. You've got to go home.
0: <laughs> as coaches or players? Coaches. Coaches. Players. <laughs> well, actually, it was cool. The one, the one session, uh we finished half an hour early and we were kind of done and, they stayed out half an hour or they perceived to be half an hour after they kind of just wanted to carry on trade. And we finished at half eight. The coaches went upstairs to have a chat in the, in the club. And uh, I think they finished at half past nine in the end or something. But at the time, they uh, they'd finished up. So, you know, if we weren't there, how long would sessions go on for? How much fun could they potentially have? I don't know. But that's the whole Another can of worms.
1: I was thinking about the off the ball yesterday actually because um, I'm on a WhatsApp group called the Invisible College with Ed Hall who just triggered me. I need to contact Ed Hall and get him on the pod as well. Um, they talked about this five second rule, and so I was trying to guess what the five second rule was, and it wasn't what I thought it was. However, this is what I thought. I thought, well, actually, I'm going to use a five second rule for players off the ball. So, and especially when they get up off the floor. So, I'm going to look at what they do in those first five seconds: whether they look for where the ball is, whether they engage with other teammates, whether they scan in front to where the defence or the attack is, whichever team. So, I've, I've invented my own five-second off the ball coaching rule that I'm going to play <laughs> out next time. So, that could be your could be your off the ball stuff. Um, and, and what else is? I mean, so of Colts transitioned into first team, what's been your your strategies around that? So, I mean, I know that. You've, from what I hear you've had more team playing than ever before
0: yeah so we've we dropped our third team in the first year I was coaching uh, sorry dropped our fourth team We're basically doing you know we have four fixtures and we had only enough for three teams or sometimes two so we choose the three fixtures that we want to take and scrap one which is no good to anyone so we've now got that fourth team back up they play five times this year they play kind of once a month type of thing if we can find them a game and some appropriate opposition. Um, so that's been great. And that's been a, a lot of returning players um, or guys moving down. So our second team is kind of that transition team. So what we found was maybe the third team level, they were too strong in to make that transition. And then they were running rings round kind of level oh, 10, oh. 12. Yeah. Old guys. And, it just wasn't a great experience when 30 minutes into the game, they were being stopped of playing how they want to play. Whereas second team level is a little bit more, um, it's a bit younger. So there's guys that are in a similar, uh, experience to them in terms of their transition through. So the comparison we've made to the Colts transition is streaming at under 14, under 13 boys, whatever the age group is, the amount of girls, um, you know, we say don't stream because of X, Y and Z. You know, it's going to help them. Uh, they're going to be able to learn from more competent players. The more competent players are going to be able to think more like coaches and develop some leadership skills on how they support some of those developing players. And for us, we had some kickback when we first started because sessions were messy. The Colts, in inverted commas, and quoting players, didn't get it, didn't know how we played, you know, and it became disruptive in their eyes but actually the long-term wins we've had off the back of that have been significant we've got more teams out the buzz is better those Colts guys are now really really kicking on so we've got one lad who's 17 he's played a first team game he's played second team all year by one game uh, to quote you know, use your word he is absolutely rocking it he is the most uh, enjoyable player I've ever coached he is a sponge he drives the team and he's 17 years of age. He plays seven. He plays ten. Oh,
1: damn. oh that's cool.
0: Yeah. So, uh, to come into that environment and the boys, you know, three years ago wouldn't have welcomed in the way they have. But because we've pushed it, they've therefore, the senior players have developed some of their coaching skills and now thinking more like coaches and their leadership skills are stronger. And people like James White can come in and at 17 years of age and just steer the ship, which would not have happened. So, it's not just You know, he hasn't just excel. We've got more guys coming in that are not going to be a first team player, which is fine. But we want them to be lifelong members in the game as well. So, um, if we didn't give them those opportunities to come in, the same as we would not stream an A and a B team and under nines, you know, they would not have made that transition.
1: With the kickback, what? I mean, talk to me about the kickback because that would be something I'd get. Challenge done a lot. I'm pretty anti streaming. Um, however, there's times where sometimes you put the best players together and they play a game and that's appropriate, but I wouldn't be doing it all the time.
0: Yeah, and, and it's the same as you know, you wouldn't put four 17 year olds uh, in your in your first team in their first game. No. <laughs> you wouldn't. And it's kind of the same principle. Um, I think for us, the you know, there's a lot of competition locally in our area. So you've got a lot of clubs within a short space, short uh, area. So, you know, our sales pitch was around looking after our own. Um, and we're really fortunate that a lot of our senior players have come through. So they get that bigger picture and they've come through a similar journey and had good experiences and and negative experiences along the way of that in terms of their transition.
1: Uh,
0: we've also got a couple of PE teachers as well. So just tapping into some of their skill sets that they do in their day job just to help us. Um, and again, that's probably one of the things when I first started coaching, I wasn't really aware of or didn't uh, get to know and and that sort of stuff. So just tapping into some of their skill sets to support those kids coming through and to manipulate some of the other guys that might be a little bit negative and anti-cult transition and stop making the session messy mentality just to try and get them on board. Um, that drive, yes, it started with us, but it has to be maintained and pushed by the lads. So it's just trying to, Pinpoint some boys that can do it for us without us having to kind of bang the drum all the time.
1: You, uh, you mentioned there about, ah, oh, wish you know, I've, I've, start, I re- I've started using the um, the intelligence of my PE teachers. What's the stuff that when you first take the job that they it would have been helpful um, if they told you A, B, and C. So what's the three, two, three things that you think? Ah, oh, wish they told me that because I would have been more effective in this job because. There'll be lots of people listening who would who would love to
0: be, you know, doing what you're doing. What's the stuff you Yeah, have? I think, oh, three's tough. Definitely got two. What's their family like? Yeah. Um, so when I started, it was very, and it still is, a very male-dominated club. Um, you know, the wives and girlfriends didn't always come down to the games. They might have come down for the last game of the season when it was a big Kind of end of season party on, but that was it. Um, whereas the last couple of years they've been more involved only socially, but still, you know, they're there. There's a, a gin bar in the corner of the clubhouse now, so they're absolutely loving that. a nice comfy chairs. <laughs> yeah, it's really popular. Gin bar. Um, what, yeah. what you wish? What I've
1: just heard is what you wish you'd known is get a gin bar as early as possible.
0: Uh, yeah, that's that allows us to create better relationships with their wider family. Yeah, that's cool, and that's stuff that I didn't do before. And you know, the lads probably listen to may well listen to it and go, "What's he on about?" Um, but you know, I would not have spoken to the captain's wife now at the start of my time at Woodford. Yeah, and what else? I wouldn't have because I was naive. So that was that. Um, understand their job um, from both skill set and uh, commitment. So a lot of our lads work in the city they're leaving at half six. They're leaving at half six. And they don't, you know, how they walk into the room at training massively impacts what the session looks like. And our job is to go in the moment, what's their emotional kind of state at the minute. And I think now that I know what they do in the city or what they do at home or what they do as their jobs. So I can make those better assumptions so I can maybe tweak my style for that particular session with that particular player. Um, but just having those phone calls, having those uh, conversations on the side of training after games, I wasn't having really before in as much depth as as um, what I was, whereas, whereas we are now. So that's really supported us. Are you, the sure, you're the skills.
1: Are you sure you're 24, Tom? Sure
0: your <laughs> I no, I had a long paper. I know you can see my face resting.
1: <laughs> I was thinking, uh, so that's obviously a, challenge around you know <clears throat> so your numbers are varied so you had 28 you had 55 so you know it's one's half the half the num- half almost half of the other one um you, sometimes people just look up and they're tired and they're so what's the stuff how are you generating conversations away from the pitch are you doing have you got any strategies around that for coaches
0: uh so we use and not a sales pitch we use uh, Coach Logic you're on 10% um, 10% <laughs> so 10%. All, all,
1: our,
0: all our videos get stored on there uh, the ones and twos
1: Redfern red red
0: 10% yeah I'll speak to Mark see if he can do me a deal <laughs> um, so all our ones and twos games get put on there so that affords uh, our second team coach Jamie Beeney who I know He's on social media. Uh, He's great. He's really, really cool. Uh, He had a frisbee in his warm up last week. He's doing some really innovative stuff. Uh, And the lads really take to him. And he's able to share and and speak to the guys in the second team. And I'm able to watch and, and share equally the same in the first team. So that allows us to have some conversations. Whilst they're on the train to work, you know, our prop is only interested in scrumming. In reality, that's all he's interested in. He can just watch the scrums. He's not 24, is he? He's not, no. <laughs> but, you know, that's five minutes more footage than he may have watched if we didn't use Coach Logic. You know, he wouldn't have gone onto YouTube flicking through all the minutes trying to find the scrums or the bits he touched the ball, you know, he's he wants to go watch his bits. So that's been really, really good. Um, we've had more phone conversations this year than, uh, than ever, so when I'm in the car, I'm always on the phone trying to speak to people, um, catching up on... Kind of their game and their reviews, and you know, just touching base with guys more. We, if we're lucky, we see guys twice a week. It's normally once. We get a different thirty to a Tuesday to a Thursday. Um, so I think just more connections outside of the time we see them is really, really important. Uh, and again, that just supports the connections that that are really that, that really underpin our our environment. Nice.
1: And, and you spoke earlier about this. So if I just uh, if I just tee this up. Spoke early about this. <laughs> I'm
0: playing the whole song.
1: <laughs> we My God, I feel old listening to that. I mean. Uh, you've you probably never heard that music before, or have you?
0: No, I'm, I'm a bit young. I'm a bit young for that.
1: Um, so we were chatting earlier about some of the stuff you've done, so some of the places you've been. One of them was obviously Dallas. Um, did you want to tell me about that? What's been the impact of that?
0: Uh, I, I think their professionalism to sport is at a different level. Um and the, the access and the facilities is just crazy. Uh, so the opportunity to work within that environment, even though it was amateur and in inverted comers, was really, really exciting. Um, in, in England, we don't really have it. We have it more in the female game, which I've experienced in my first job with the RFU, but not in the male game at all. It was just the amount of crossover athletes we get, or there was in America. So guys leaving college, university, trying to get in the NBA, the NFL, didn't make the draft or the you know didn't get picked up you know what's the next best thing for a contact sport evasive sport? It was kind of rugby, so we had a lot of guys cross over from the n f l or trying to get into the nFL to rugby from america football um and the opportunity to work with guys like that was really difficult, especially on potentially some of them may never have even touched the ball in america football, so some of the the basic coordination stuff was quite a challenge. Uh, but also just the challenge on philosophies. Um, coming from England and the game's approach to America football approach is hugely different. Gem- obviously, I'm generalising here. Um, so that was quite a challenge for both us and the players to come into different environments. They go from an environment where it's kind of two-second burst max, isn't it, in you know, American football, where everything's being told, you know, it's very structured to an unstructured coaching session where they've got to make decisions for themselves was really really difficult so I think I'm certainly more sympathetic to those guys that want to learn in different ways yeah um you're talking about, I about, probably the wasn't talk before. about
1: the prop again now
0: I'm, I'm not good. talking about I'm the prop good. now <laughs>
1: and just to confirm you didn't go to Dallas the TV set you went to Dallas America didn't
0: you yes
1: yeah um oh that's cool and then also you did the same was it the same program that Jim did so in Brazil
0: yeah, so I was there for 18 months, I was there for the uh, Football World Cup, kind of fell in between whilst I was there, which is really, um, really cool, and I think that's probably where my, f- yeah, they called me Chateau in Brazil, and they still probably call me that, which means boring, literal translation, boring. and they're boring, and they're boring is too, so boring is in, you know, you are boring, you, you know, no fun, but boring also means for them where your barriers are up, and you're quite reserved. All
1: right.
0: And there was a guy called uh, Mateus who is now playing in Portugal. He was in Christchurch before I got there, so he spoke fluent English. Uh, And I was like, he was my best mate. I didn't leave his side for 18 months. And uh, I was called Chateau because all I did was socialize with him. And actually, I missed out on so many opportunities to build connections with those guys because for six months I was, you know, I was keeping myself to myself. after six months I was pleased to say my barriers did come down and I was fully engulfed in the Brazilian lifestyle but their ability to make things bigger than just rugby was really powerful so everything was about family everything was about connection everything was about you know we're here to represent our community it was all kind of that sort of ethos and I think we say a lot about that in England, but I don't think we deliver it to the same level as what they did. I think they had a much bigger meaning on what family and connections meant. Um, and I think that's certainly something that I've tried. And it's difficult, especially in London, where everyone's fast moving and, you know, with jobs the the priority, maybe not family as much for some guys. Um, I've certainly tried to bring some of that across where we just try and build connections and everyone feels a little bit more connected to the environment. Um, Brazil was was huge for that.
1: Nice. I think that's the purpose of a rugby club. Um, who's who's um, who's influenced you? Give me some names, or some environments, or some books, or some things that you would recommend for coaches. Your top, you know, your top few. Yeah.
0: So I, my coach, my journey as coach probably started when I was about sixteen, um, when I did the ACE program over at Worcester, where I was growing up. Uh, I had Tim Gale. Yeah, uh, legend. legend. Yeah. And again, he was really personal, and I enjoyed that. Um, my best week of, or kind of my best experience ever in rugby was with him, um, and uh, Matt Sherrett, who was oh, jockey completely legend. different. Yeah, completely different. But his How way of coaching the players.
1: the difference.
0: What did you notice? Uh, <laughs> Uh, Matt's um, regular Friday text at about 7 o'clock in the morning, sorry lads for unforeseen circumstances, training won't be on today. Um, and for a bunch of 17, 18-year-olds, it didn't take us long to guess why training was off on a Friday morning. Yeah, um, and to be fair to Matt, he's, he's coached Wales. Yeah, exactly. But his his approach to stuff was, was really eye-opening and that's probably where I first really got a bug for coaching because of him, so, it have so, got a great team.
1: example of A young coach that's gone away, learnt his craft, I remember him talking about delivering a meeting in, you know, in front of British Lions and saying, it took me 15 years to, to get ready, prepare for this meeting. And yeah. I think that's, uh, you know, it's, lots of people get thrown into rugby at a, you know, after they've played rugby and they maybe miss out on some of that learning, but, I'm pleased to know he's doing really well.
0: Yeah, and even, you know, even though we got the, the Friday text, which we all laughed about, he set a really cool environment and we went and trained without him anyway.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah and, yeah, and although he wasn't there, we were still working really, really hard. And um, his style and his support was, was really, really, you know, I'm grateful for it. Uh, and Jim equally was, was, a, was similar, uh, very, very personal, um, all about making you feel comfortable, which for me... Uh, in that environment you know I was the smallest I was the slowest um, so that was that was quite important for me coming into that environment where I was up against much bigger and uh, faster guys and he had the ability to make you know even us guys that were trying our hardest to keep up with the big lads uh, feel valued and, and supported as well Good
1: uh, anyone else anyone else good suggest they're like top people by the way well done
0: yeah uh, I think and then when I, so I went abroad, I left home when I was 18, moved to Italy for eight months, and I met a woman called Elaine Vassi. I don't know if that name rings a bell. Yeah, but
1: I'm gonna
0: um, yeah she's over in America now uh, doing some good stuff. Um, and she just, she was great. Again, she, her coaching was far wider than just coaching that group. Uh, so she did a lot of work on influencing others to make the wider environment or the wider club in our context uh, really supportive um, and just grateful for the opportunity she, she gave me off the back of Italy and, and that's how I ended up in America because of her. So those three have certainly opened up doors selfishly for me but also just showed me what good coaching can be like as a player. So then that's certainly manipulated what, what I do as a, as a coach now for, for the guys that I try and coach. Um, uh, we mentioned him earlier and then probably just Jack Pat um, worked with him in the RFU for a couple of months before he was shipped over to London Irish pretty sharp he was doing some good stuff and he still is now with Irish Uh, try and get over to work with him on a Wednesday night in the DPP over at Irish at Harrow School if I've got an evening free from work Um, and he's really really thought-provoking and incredibly challenging Um, but yeah those four guys are certainly ones that Deserve yeah. a bit of a, a thank you from me.
1: He'll um will be good that we did a podcast because I, I asked him <laughs> about four months ago and i forgot. <laughs> I just put it on my list, so it's uh, it'll uh, it'll it'll get sorted. Um, okay, dream coaching team. I'm going to ask you. You're not allowed to use your current coaching team. You can pick a dream coaching team. What would it look like? Who'd be in it? Oh, uh... no crap for these questions either. Which is
0: which i enjoying. Yeah, this, there was no prep. I think i probably have. He was inc- incredibly, I mean, if he was to do a level two course in England, he wouldn't, he wouldn't pass. It, he would be deemed incompetent. But the guy who coached me whilst I was playing over in Brazil was Argentinian. He loved the set piece.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, and his delivery style was incredibly tell, but his ability to build uh, a really efficient uh, set piece that was really dominant and got the ball back all of the time and build a really, really cool environment and he first kind of, his whole thing was around family, whole thing around connection um, I think it's really, really important you have someone like that who's an incredibly emotive character He was he was great and not great at the same time you know, safe to say we had our challenges and we had our conflicts. But actually, the stuff he taught me around the importance of family and the ability to build a really dominant set piece, he was, he was really cool. I think we'd have to get a translator, so we might have to speak to your mate Juan to see if he can come and translate for us. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: So you've got an Argentinian scrum coach, no surprise
0: there. Yeah. Me and, uh, me and Jack were chatting when we were last over at Harrow around just having a games maker uh, and all their job is to do is across the club is to design games and support coaches to make up games. Um, so I'd have someone like that. Oh, by, who would that be? Uh, who would that be? Do you go really rogue and do a, you have like a, an age grade player who has to design sessions for the whole club? So it can't be an adult. I'll take that. Yeah, um, we did a level two course yesterday and I came away with two games from the, the guys. So you yeah, had like a, a bendy shape, I don't know what you call that, where it's wide at the ends and narrow in the middle. Yeah. Uh, and we showed them on... Figure. That's it, yeah. On day one, we showed them a video game because they were moaning about their lads and girls not keeping their width. So we showed them a video game on how different zones can help them keep in shape. And the, basically the shape of the pitch of that wide at the top, narrow in the middle, turned into a video game. So in the middle had different levels and you had to progress from the wide bit through the middle bit and out to the wide bit again. But in the middle had four different games in which you had to try and pass to get through. Um, So just someone who can come up with cool ideas like that. We had one yesterday as well where uh, just a a space game, trying to find space was kind of the principle. Uh, You find a player on the other team, rock, paper, scissors, whoever loses sits down and the game just completely changed. So you'd end up going from 10v10 to potentially 1v9, depending on yeah. how it works out.
1: Yeah,
0: um, cool. so someone who can come up with some cool ideas around that. Um, oh, who would I want? Probably for my own uh, satisfaction, maybe someone like uh, Wilkinson, just because he's my hero. Yeah,
1: that's strong. Cool. Well, I'm going to finish with some one-worders. So I've been writing them down. I'm going to start off with Wilkinson. am going to start off with Johnny. Johnny Wilkinson. One word.
0: Uh hero. Jack Patterson. <laughs> no, he's, hero, not gonna, he's, he's not gonna get the hero one no. Um challenging. James Beanie. Uh creatives. Uh Dallas. Opportunity. Brazil. Family. Nice. Magic Academy. Challenge
1: England rugby opportunity, Woodford.
0: <laughs> uh, oof. can't say lo- can't say, uh, can't say, lo- can't say opportunity <laughs> to a challenge. Uh, <laughs> journey. Now, she use the
1: word challenge a lot. Why do you think you've used it so much?
0: Uh, that's kind of my makeup, I think, Rusty. Um, I enjoy challenging and I enjoy being challenged. And I think both people who I reference then, Magic Academy and uh, Jack, both do that. Um, and I think it goes both sides. I challenge them as much as they challenge me. Um, it's credit to the people and the environments they set and the guys they have involved. But that's a really important uh, thing for me in, in kind of everyday life, not just not just coaching.
1: I wrote down some stuff that you spoke about and which would fit under that bracket. So having a mentor, um, integrating better with the cults, uh, not streaming, actually going, this isn't the right thing to do, Uh, and owning owning your own CPD. So actually organising your own CPD, getting out, going to other places and and bringing other people in. So... uh, Mate, I loved it. Well done. So we'll uh, we we just got our theme tune to finish where the case
0: <laughs> It's <is> terrible. <laughs>
1: right, so you, Love to you on the pod. Um, we'll uh, we will definitely be catching up soon anyway. So uh, and maybe there'll be a pod two at some stage when you when you're a bit older.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, God knows what I look like then, Rusty. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, mate. Appreciate being invited. Cheers, dude. But. Take care, mate. Bye-bye.